Hi, you're listening to audio from Rock Hill Church. To check out more resources, please visit rockhilllawrence.com. Thank you for joining us. pray together. Father, we've heard your word. We pray this morning as we engage it, we'll remember who's behind the words that Jesus is saying. That we'll see this divine partnership that At the bottom is you, our Father, our Comforter, our Deliverer. Holy Spirit, we welcome you among our midst. We acknowledge that what Jesus is offering here and here among us is energized and activated and delivered through your Spirit. So Holy Spirit, we want to say, have your way among us as we hear your word, as we take in communion together. Lord, speak to us. Jesus, you are the radiance of God's glory. You are the exact representation of your Father's being. There is nothing else that compares to you. There is no one like you. There is no thing like you. You have gone before us. Father, you, Spirit, you, Jesus, you, we are grateful for this mystery of one God in three persons. It's beyond our math. But we experience it, and we experience it in community. And we experience it when we are alone. We ask, Lord, that you would take your written word, flesh it out through the word who became flesh, quicken it through the living and active word, the voice, the spirit, the wind of God. Lord, that's a big ask. But Lord, you're a big God, so we pray that you would meet us this morning as we gather in community. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was about to finish seminary, uh, 1987, uh, I had a professor, Dr. David Garland, George, I don't know if you ever have, George and I were in seminary together, although we didn't know each other. I knew him, he didn't know me. He sat in the front of the class (laughs) and had a briefcase. But I'd become acquainted with Dr. Garland uh, during my years in seminary, so my last semester, he approached me and said, I have an offer for you would you come to my office? And I said, sure. I thought I was probably in trouble. I thought he was offering a place in the corner of the classroom or something like that. 
But he, he made an offer for me to continue to my education, and he said he would pay for it. And uh, he wanted me to step on the pathway of becoming an Old Testament scholar and professor. Um, it wasn't that hard of a decision for me. I wasn't really, George, on speaking terms with Hebrew or Aramaic. And uh, I couldn't imagine myself becoming an Old Testament scholar. And we had a baby at the time, and I didn't, couldn't figure out how that would work out. So um, I said no. Looking back uh, through the years on that, on that moment in my life, I have no regrets in saying no, but one thing that has kind of emerged is how profoundly I was unaware of that kind of offer being presented to me. It was meaningful to him. It was something he was going to pay for privately out of his own pocket. And while I think I made the right decision, I think, I think it helped me understand what was being offered and the sacrifice someone was willing to make in order to help me take a step forward. Today it's a long passage in view. Jordan read it. We won't get through all of it. But it's, it's one of those epic offers. I challenge you as we spend a few minutes together with this what's called the bread of life discord with Jesus. That you won't, you'll see it through a prism of an invitation. Of an offer that's being made. It's quite simple, the offer. Sometimes we make the offer so complicated. We're going to see that in the text today. Sometimes it takes another mindset, another way of thinking to understand what's being offered. So let's walk together a little for a few minutes in this text. John writes, when they found him on the other side of the lake. Now, what I'm about to say now really has nothing to do with the teaching of the text, but sometimes uh, I've learned just sitting and meditating with God's Word and reflecting. Sometimes the Spirit will just come and give comfort. And that phrase, when they found him on the other side of the lake, uh, finding Jesus on the other side of whatever you might be going through, finding Jesus on the other side of what we might be going through. One of the things Cindy and I have been doing is giving our yes to Jesus on the other side. And uh, that's so comforting to not have to wonder whatever it is you're going through, whatever it is we're going through, is Jesus going to be there? Like I said, that's not the teaching of the text. I'm just sharing uh, from my own week. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? It's a little bit interesting that they address him this way, Rabbi. Perhaps it came from a place of respect, but the reality was Jesus wasn't their rabbi. They weren't his apprentices, so maybe they're just formally, respectfully addressing him, but it's not personal for them, at least collectively. There may have been some who had made a decision to be his student, his apprentice. So Jesus responds by addressing them, and it reveals 
that they're not yet apprentices. It, it sheds some light on their motives, and that God does frequently with us. Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, but not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate bread and had your fill. I don't think there's any sternness in his voice here. I don't think he's issuing some kind of harsh correction. There is correction, but I think, again, I think he's inviting. I think he wants to invite these people into community with him, into following him, into becoming his followers. So here's how he challenges them. Do not work for food that spoils. He's answering their question. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. You hear the invitation? Jesus is inviting them to life. His signs are pointing to him, not as their perpetual provider of the next meal that they're going to eat and be hungry again in four or five hours, but to food of another kind, of another nature. His signs are pointing to a deeper, spiritually grounded manner of living. Pause with that for a moment with a question. Have you experienced that invitation in your life? Has it been real? I hate telling two stories from my own life <laughs> at the same sermon, but I'm going to. When I was a freshman in college, I, I was about as lost and disoriented and, and led in all kinds of different, different directions as one could be. And I, the, the tribe, the group of guys that I ran with uh, were as lost as I were. And so I was kind of in this cocoon and enter into my life Lauren Stuckenbrook. Uh, Lauren Stuckenbrook was nothing like me or the other guys I was running with. Lauren Stuckenbrook didn't see people like me in my eyes. Lauren Stuckenbrook was this concert pianist. He was like a 19-year-old prodigy of not just music but language and theology and all kinds of things but for some reason that was very perplexing to me he saw me and he began pursuing me and I wasn't the kind of kid that got pursued quite honestly by anyone but he did and at first it was really flattering but over the next few years I began to see this was God pursuing me uh, through Lauren's life and God, not Lauren, was inviting me to a deeper place, a spiritual place. He was inviting me into a life with him. And God used Lauren's pursuit of me to place me on a path uh, that I've been walking that has forever changed my life and continues to help me grow. So let me ask you again. Have you been invited to more than a way of living that just leaves you perpetually hungry or makes you silently demand more, as we see in these leaders? Have you said yes to more than an occasional 
dinner with God? Have you heard the invitation to more than, a, than an insurance policy being offered for you after you die? Or even a periodic great experience with him. Have you been hearing an invitation to life right here and right now, wherever right here and right now is? Are you sharing in that life with God? That's what Jesus is getting at. Food that endures for eternal life, he calls it. Food that never goes bad. Now, let's pause again. and I, want you, I hope for a moment you'll just kind of step back and think about what Jesus is offering. Food that endures for eternal life. Think about what that means for your life, beginning here. Think about the future of your life with food that endures. It's not just perpetually, get, I need the next thing so I can be satisfied. Are you being fed by that food right now? That's one way to think about it. Is it real for you now? Is it sustaining you? Food that you are partaking of and living with now. Jesus asked him, or excuse me, they asked Jesus, what should we do so that we might work? This is the literal translation. So that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered, here it is. This is the work of God that you might believe in the one he has sent. That, that's the clear, simple. Jesus is answering directly and simply. There's no indirection or vagueness here in his response. This is the work of God that you might believe. This is the work for this food that is eternal. It's belief. What is that belief? It's to place your full confidence of your life in the person and work of Jesus. It's to trust yourself to Him and what He claimed to be for you. His sufficiency to save you. Yes, from your sins, but to save you from your life that you might envision or demand. Because His food will bring a different life for you. We all have that life that we envision and demand for us. And it's littered with good things and brokenness. Faith is to do whatever's necessary to look into what Jesus is doing, who he is, what he claimed. Whenever, whatever you need to do to find him, that's faith. What does it take? To believe, not just assent, not just say I believe it, not just conform to what the group's thinking, but to truly believe, to truly partake of Jesus. Whatever you need to do to make an informed, healthy decision for Him, that's faith. 
and choosing him. He who has already loved you by coming as God in person. Offering his life to you. And dying, dying on a cross. Out of God's love. His love for you. Conquering the curse and the fear. Not just of death, certainly that. and Maybe we'd say mostly that. But all the fear and anxiety that accompanies it, that leads up to it. He conquered the curse and the fear by conquering death itself, its source. Conquering sin, its source. And then bodily resurrecting in life. Over 500 people witnessed his return and then he has ascended to heaven where he's advocating for you. He's praying for us. And he has promised to return. That's faith. That's the gospel. That's how you get food that lasts. That simple. Faith in Jesus. His identity. His life. His work. On our behalf. In love. Well, for these guys that are engaging Jesus in conversation this day, that wasn't enough. Perhaps for them, that was too simple. Let's read on. So they asked him, what sign will you do so that we may see it and believe? What will you do? This demand. This demand for a sign. Now at first glance, if if we pause and think about the enormity, the implications of what Jesus is offering, food that endures, It doesn't at first seem unreasonable for them to say, Jesus, kind of, I need you to show us something here. Give us something so that we could see it. At first glance, that would make sense. But wait a minute. Step back for a moment. Who is this group? These people came from the other side of the lake. They were part of that 10,000 that got fed with a basket, a happy meal from a kid. They had already experienced it. They had already seen the sign. They had seen Jesus do something enormous. So now the question, what sign will you do? It kind of spins the question a little bit. He had already done it. And now they're pressing, not just for more, but for different Listen what he says, or what they say. Our ancestors ate manna in the desert. As it is written, we're going to quote Scripture, He gave them bread to eat from heaven. Jesus said to them, very, very truly, I say to you. When he says, very truly, I say to you, we should really listen. It's not Moses who has given you bread from heaven. But my Father, and he's present tense here, English majors. My Father is giving you true bread from heaven. For the true bread from heaven is coming down from heaven right now, right here, and giving life to the world. Lord, they said, give us this bread always. So what's behind their question is, Lord, you just fed us, 10,000 of us. But Moses, 
He fed a million of us in the desert for 40 years. Show us, prove to us that you are who you're claiming to be. Give us assurance that you're the new Moses. Hidden assumption, for that is what we demand. We want this food. And then notice this phrase, and we want it to keep on coming. Well, there we are. It took a little while for the conversation to get here. But now it's there and it's clear. What they are demanding and what Jesus is offering is not the same. They have their terms. Jesus has something different. So Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. The one coming to me will never hunger and the one believing in me will never thirst. But as I have said, you've seen, yet you do not believe. When we demand, we have our terms, don't we? But when we're being sustained and nourished and residing in a life, we already have what we need. It's already ours. We've already said yes to it. Jesus goes on, Everyone whom the Father has given to me will come to me, and the one coming to me I will never cast away. I think at this point is when we're supposed to have a sense of, wow. Jesus just pulled the curtain back a a bit unexpectedly in the conversation. They're talking about bread and manna in the desert and Moses and living bread. And Jesus says, he goes somewhere else. He just took us in deeper. John, our author, just pulled the curtain back. Everyone whom the Father has given me will come to me, he says. And the one coming to me, I will never cast away. He's speaking to present, or actually past, present, future. He's saying God is in this. He's saying God is behind this. Maybe better said, God God has gone before this. And here is this deep, deep dependence we see between the Father and the Son. Two members of the Trinity. Did you hear what Jesus said again? Everyone whom the Father has given, they will come to me. And the one coming to me, secondly, I will never cast away. I'm going to stop here. And just leave us with this question. What in the world have you done? Have we done that deserves that kind of offer? To be offered something that endures, that's eternal, that's nourishing, that's sustaining that will cause you to never go hungry or thirsty again, a life that you reside in, that you dwell in, what have we done to deserve that? I think that's the simple arrival landing place of the narrative 
for those who have become followers of Jesus? What did we do to deserve this? I mean, it, it, I, I hope the story it will take you to a place of deep, deep gratitude and a sense of mystery and wonder of what you've received. Because I think it's that response of wonder and gratitude that is the fertile ground for being sustained right now by the living word, bread of God. And it's the one on the other side of the lake, metaphorically speaking, that you know will be there tomorrow for you. That you'll find Jesus there. What have we done? So here's the big point, I think, this morning. Jesus doesn't just give you bread. Jesus is the bread of life. We don't have to keep asking. He'll never cast you off the buffet line. He's there, offering it freely, offering it always. Enduring eternal means always. Recipients of that living bread are satisfied. There's a sense, even though things may be hard in the moment, may be disoriented in the moment. I remember as that freshman in college feeling so disoriented, lost, and saying yes to that invitation. And even in that moment, there's a sense of satisfaction and rootedness. This is good and this is enough. And it's never failed me since. There's times in my life I've demanded more than what I perceived that living bread was giving me. And the truth was, was, that was my issue. The bread was always enough. It always has been enough. And I know will be tomorrow as well. Jesus doesn't just give you the next meal. He is the bread of life. I'm going to pray for us. And uh, Brian's going to come lead us in communion together. It's very appropriate. It's hard to not be in this text and not have communion. And so we decided this is an appropriate morning for it. So, the elements that we take, they're symbolic, yes, they are. But get past just the symbolic nature of them. They're representing something. Food that never goes bad. Take and eat, he says to us this morning. This is my body. In fact, he wanted to press this point so hard on these guys in this conversation, and we'll visit it next week a little. He gets graphic with his language, doesn't he? If you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, then you can't have me. Do you see what he's doing? He's inviting them in to him and life with him. Not what they can grab from him, what they can step into with him. Life.
It's a compelling invitation. It's a simple one. We make it complicated. We add our yes but to it. Jesus is all we need. Let me pray, and then Brian, if you'll come. Lord, it is in you. We hear the invitation. It's from you. I am the living bread. He who partakes of this will never thirst, will never hunger. Lord, we need that bread. Not the kind that makes us hungry again in five hours, but one that's sustaining, one that stays. And the one that says, I'm here, and you have what you need. I know you may not feel it in this moment. I know you may have moments where you're not seeing it. But it's here. I'm here. Lord, give us that belief. That you came as God in person. That you lived. You gave your life. You resurrected. You ascended where you're advocating for us. What did we do to deserve it? All we can do is say yes to the invitation. Help us to understand it for what it is. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, our bread of life. Amen. I love how Jim just made that distinction in that passage that Jesus, when he's talking about, I am the bread of life, that he's saying, hey, I don't want to just give you food, but I am your food. I am your sustenance. I am what you need today and tomorrow and the next day. I am the bread of life. And I think it is so fitting for us to be just simply reflect and remember um, as we do the Lord's Supper. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says this, The night that the Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. That struck me this morning when I was reading this text. He says, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And that's what we want to do today. That's what the Lord's Supper communion is all about. It's just coming and remembering in an ancient practice that's been around since the night that Jesus was betrayed. To take some bread, which is gluten-free, and, which wasn't probably gluten-free back then, but it's gluten-free today, uh, but gluten-free bread and juice, but take it and remember and reflect on Christ because he is the bread of life. He is our sustenance. He is everything that we need. In times of trouble, in times of good, in good times, he is the bread of life. So before we, I come back and, and give us instructions on how we're going to take the elements this morning, I just want to give us some space. 
every morning, every Sunday morning, the worship team and everybody involved in the service gather to pray. And Jim asked a question this morning, how has God been God to you? And Gil shared a story from his own personal journey today. And he, I mean, it, was, it was yesterday. He said, yesterday I just took a pause from life with God. And that was just really profound to me. I was able to do that a couple of weeks ago. Just take a pause from life and just be with God and reflect on him. And so we just want to give you a few moments to just be with Jesus and remember him. Just like the text says to do, do this in remembrance of me. Reflect and be with God. And so today, you may, in these few minutes, while Dalton plays in a second, just want to reflect on Jesus, the goodness that he's been in your life. But later on in that text, in 1 Corinthians, Paul urges us to examine yourself before taking communion, to reflect on your life. And so that might be you. You need, may need to examine yourself. There may be some sin that you're like, God, I've been holding on to this. I need to confess this. There may be some doubt that you're like, God, I have doubts and fears, and I just need to lay this at your feet and for you to speak into them. There may be a broken relationship in your life or a relationship that you've caused hurt in or has, or has been hurtful to you, and you may need to say, God, will you help me today to just gain traction in that, to, to seek out somebody or, or to say, I'm sorry, or you've hurt me, or I have a broken relationship with you. And you might need to say, God, before you today, I just need to confess this and give me the strength and courage to do something about it soon. I don't know how you need to remember Christ. I don't know how you need to examine yourself, but just spend a few moments quiet moments as Dalton plays and just examine and remember and ask God to speak into your heart.
So we're going to have bread and juice up here. And when you're ready, if you want to keep praying and just sitting with the Lord, that's great. But when you're ready, there's bread and juice on both sides. And if you just come by and pick it up and then go back and sit down. And then as a community, in a moment, we're going to take the elements together. I think there's true power of just doing it together. There's a communal feel of doing this ordinance together. And we're going to do it together and take the elements together. So when you're ready, you can come up and get the bread and the juice. night that he's betrayed, after the supper, Jesus took the bread, and after he gave thanks, he said, take and eat, for this is my body, do this in remembrance of me. thank you for your life and that you are the fulfillment of the bread of life. 
that you give us sustenance, you give us life, you give us everything that we need, and that you laid down your life for us. God, I pray that you would help us to reflect and remember that each and every day. And then he took the cup, and after giving thanks, he said, drink this cup, for this is my blood, and do this in remembrance of me. God, thank you for your blood. Thank you that you poured out your blood as an offering for us to be reunited with Jesus and be reunited with God, to have our sin paid for, but God, so that we can have life with you in the here and now as well as life eternal. So Lord, I pray you would help us to remember and reflect on those truths. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.